would like to live a great life. Say, I want to live a great life. Okay, now say it again like you mean it, okay? Go ahead. I, I want to, like, nobody's jumping up and down and shouting, I want to live a great life. Like, I, like, we all want to live a great life. But the fact of the matter is, is that, is that so many of the things that we're living in our lives that's not great, things that are, we're struggling with, stuff like that, so much of that is linked to the fact that we are not living according to God's, uh, God's way. And the other thing is, is that uh, all of the ways that God teaches us to live, all of the things that God says are linked to blessings and things that will bring life to your life, good things. And, and, and so if you really want to experience the greatest life that you can live, then you, you would live the way that God says, and you would experience all the great things that he has for you. Okay, and so anyway, we're in the middle of this whole thing. Last week we talked about abortion. Um, the, the, the other thing is, is that so many churches and pastors are afraid to talk about these things. I'm not afraid to talk about these things, okay? Because this is the thing. You're hearing about all of these topics from all of the world's media sources and social media, and how many know a lot of times they're wrong, right? They're wrong. And, uh, and, but churches aren't talking about these things. So how can you be a believer and not be taught or not hear about the things the Word says when it comes to these major topics? So we're going to talk about them. And, and so I got some ground rules I'm going to lay out. I, I did it last week. I'm going to do it again. So I got three rules I want, I want you to, uh, to follow as we talk about tough subjects. So here they are. Everybody say number one. Okay. Um, don't, don't be upset with me. Right? If you don't like something I hear or that you hear come out of my mouth. Don't be upset with me. You've heard it said, don't kill the messenger, right? Um, don't, don't be upset with me. Um, you can be upset with God all you want, but that you're not going to win. Uh, so I would like that three bullet points in rule number one of not being upset with Ross um, is this. I will not compromise the word of God to make you feel good. Okay, It's not going to happen. So um, in that same uh, vein of thought is that I'm not, I won't make any statement today or any of the days or any Sunday for that matter that I don't back up with the word of God, okay? Because this is not Ross's church. This is God's church. It doesn't matter what I say. What matters is what God says. So we'll back it up with the word of God, okay? And then the last part of this first rule is that I will not, I will not force you to believe what I am saying, okay? It is not my job to force you to change your mind. What my job is, what God has put on my heart, is to share with you what he says. The conviction part, the part that goes on in here, that's between you and God, and you have to decide what you're going to do with your life, not me, okay? So this is really ultimately up to you. Rule number two, everybody say two. two. All right, if you get upset today, I would like you to take a moment to evaluate whether you're just upset personally about something you disagree with or if God is speaking to your heart about something you need to change. Because more often than not, you being upset has very little to do with actual truth in your life. What it has to do with is God's pricking your heart going, ah, well, there it is. There's that thing that you need to change, okay? Rule number three, everybody say three. Okay, this is probably not an issue today because uh, the topic I'm going to talk about is, is uh, probably not that big of a deal when it comes to kids, but I think it's smart for you not to have your young children in the service for the next couple weeks, okay, leading up to Thanksgiving. In the coming weeks, I'm going to talk about purity, pornography, homosexuality, and suicide, okay? So if you think your kids are too young to be listening to, to all of that information, then I would really recommend that you have them uh, go over to the children's ministry where he they'll hear a word that will apply to their life directly. All right? All right? Before I get into it, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for every person that's here. Thank you that, uh, that we have an opportunity today to learn about your word, to learn about what you say. 
in some pretty serious subjects. God, I pray that you give us ears that hear today, give us hearts that understand, and give us minds that desire to to live like you and to live for you. And God, I just pray again that today, as I share this, that if people are, are struggling with this issue in their life, that they'll be honest with you, God, and that you'll help them move through having change in their life today. So God, we thank you for this day. Let these words not be mine. Let them be the words you need me to share. In Jesus' name, everybody says. So today I want to talk about something that probably has a lot less to do with your actions. I mean, actions are part of it, but it has a little bit more to do with your heart. Today, I want to talk about money. Everybody go, yay, yeah, ooh, uh. If you're here visiting because your family member was dedicating a child, welcome to church. And uh, so we're going for it, okay? So, uh Money is probably one of your most prized possessions, okay, even though it goes in and out of your bank account so quickly. Um, In our society today, it's money that really makes the world go around, if we were honest. Um, Money is such a powerful issue in the world today that it is listed as tied for number one for the reason why people get divorces, in the United States today. You know, legally, you have to write on the, on the divorce certificate why you got a divorce, and it battles with number one for affairs. Whew. Money is a serious issue. Money, uh, money often decides, um, decides where you live. Money decides how you live. Um, money often decides why you live. And, uh, and all too often, money is what you are living for. Today, I want to um, look at what God says about our attachment to money, and then I want to talk about what he says we should do with our money. It's true, though, right? Money is everywhere. Money makes the world go around. Money is everything in, in life seems to, seems to come to this focusing point of money. Why would that be? Why is it that that would be the case? Well, first I want to look at what God says our relationship with money should really look like. And so this is a scripture you've heard before. Um, this is none of the, there's nothing new. There's no new scriptures in the Bible being written on a daily basis. So uh, it's not weird to go to church and hear one you've heard. But maybe today God's going to speak to your heart in a different way. So Matthew six twenty four says this. It says, "No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other." And then it says, "You cannot serve both God and and money." Do you think the devil knows that this verse is in the Bible? Of course he does, right? He knows that it's in there. And and so doesn't it make sense that he has used money to take a lot of people away from Jesus? All right, so we know that the Bible knows that the word is there. We know that the the word also talks about how right now that the devil is the ruler of the earth, right? That he's in charge here on the earth. And, and, And so wouldn't it just make sense that he would do everything in his power to try to get your focus onto money if he knows that God, God's own word says that if you love money, you can't love God, right? It would make sense. And so our world just revolves around money. Everything costs money. Everything is, it's, it's, like, it's like everything's crazy. Uh, we, we were thinking about taking our kids to a pumpkin patch this year. And, uh, and then I saw that it's $15 a person just to go to the pumpkin patch. I shouldn't have had five kids. Can I hear an amen, right? 
I was like, no, we're not going to the pumpkin patch. Next year, Allison, grow some pumpkins in the garden. I don't care if they're big or small, we'll carve those babies, right? We'll make it happen no matter what. Or call grandma, have her pay for the pumpkin patch. I don't know. Some of you aren't laughing probably because you're grandma, right? And it's just like everything costs money. And so money... Money has become something we just can't stop focusing on. We can't get our, our eyes off money, but the Bible's really clear. If you love money, you can't love God. So if we're serving something other than God, if we're serving money, then we can't be serving God. Now, I love that, uh, I love that God's word is really so complete. And if you become a studier of God's word, you'll find that he doesn't leave you hanging He doesn't give you something and then not follow up with more information about it or how it applies or how it matters in your life. And so God doesn't just like, you know, Jesus doesn't just mic drop, right? He doesn't like, like, you can't love God money. You know, he doesn't walk out of the room. Instead, the next scriptures, like following right up after that, explain what Jesus really means by this. Now, again, these are Jesus' actual words, okay? This is actually what he said. So, uh, I want to read to you that scripture again, and then I want to read the, the verses that come after that, really just the documentary of what Jesus said after that, okay? And so Jesus makes a pretty great argument here, or, or explanation, I guess. I'm going to read it in the message version. Um, I like to do that every now and then just because it makes sense and, and it helps to kind of conceptualize everything that goes on. So let's start Matthew 6, 24. It says this. It says, you can't worship two gods at once. Loving one god, you'll end up hating the other, Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. Now, here come the next parts to this thing. Verse 25. If you decide for God, living a life of worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. Ouch, right? It says there's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than the birds. Verse 27. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? (laughs) No. All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at at the fashion's Uh, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. How true is that? So true. So good. Verse 30. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, and do his best for you? Then he says this, what I'm trying to do here is get you to relax. Everybody say relax. Everybody like shake it out a little bit, right? Trying to get you to relax and not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. That's a good statement. We're, we're coming back to that one. Then it says, people, people who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Then it says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. What a great last statement. 
really, that steep your life in God's reality, God initiative, and God provisions. How many people know that most of us live in world reality, world initiative, and world provisions? We don't really even give God a chance to provide for us because we're so busy doing it for ourselves, right? I love that part that said, don't be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. What a great statement. God's provision for us requires a what? A response, right? Everybody say response. God's provision for us requires a response by us. God wants us to do something. You know, most Christians, and I'm going to say most because I think it's true that it's most Christians, live this kind of life where one day they made a decision for Jesus and they just want to load up on God's blessings, but they don't ever have anything coming back out of them to anybody else. And you might be like, well, that's not me. Well, then you're probably in the lower percentile of people who are living today as Christians. So many believers, they just want to get what they can get, and they don't ever let the other part of things happen, which is responding to God's giving. I, I believe that Jesus put it pretty plainly, that God is not concerned about your bank account. He doesn't want you to be consumed by it either. He would rather you be consumed with him. Steep your life in God's reality. Steep your life in God initiative. And steep your life or fulfill your life or surround your life or saturate your life in God's provisions. Hmm. This isn't something new. God is, is named the provider. You remember that song? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Yes, one person in the room. Boom! <laughs> Pastor Steve, thanks so much for being there for me. First service, they all looked at me like I was a crazy person, like all the rest of these people did. Thanks. Let's get lunch this week. You want to get lunch this week? Wednesday's open. All right, you're praying. You're praying. Okay, all right. I, I'm serious. Wednesday, we're going to lunch, Steve. Okay. God wants to be your provider. The Bible's full of these, these teachings. I mean, they're all over the place. Right? But this scripture brings a really interesting situation into the whole fold of things, right? Because it doesn't just say that he wants to provide for you, but that it requires a response from you when he gives to you. So what is that response? I want to read a couple more scriptures that have to do with giving and that, that I think will bring some light to this. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, this is NIV, says this. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. I like that word. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in what? Every good work. So again, it says that God wants to provide for you, but that you have some sort of work to do within the context of this provision. Okay, so what is it? What is it that we have to do? So then it says in verse 9, it says, As it is written, they, the people who receive from God, they have freely scattered their gifts to the who? To the poor. So the people who are receiving are then responsible to turn around and do good works to help people who are in need. It says their righteousness endures forever. And then in verse 10, it, I love this. It says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, this is just, should be mind-blowing for you. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every, say every, 
on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So through the people who receive, your generosity is going to point right back to God. So this is pretty clear that we should be using the provisions that God gives us to help people. To give to the needy, to give to people who are in a situation where they need it. Really, what it comes down to is the theme I said this whole series is going to come down to, which is loving people. It's loving people. It's seeing people that should matter to you, whether they do right at this moment or not. Seeing people and realizing their value and saying, I'm going to love that person. I'm going to love that person. And, and this is the thing that is so awesome about when it comes to money, when it comes to giving to other people, is that the, at the amount of your generosity, the promise is that God will increase what he gives back to you. Like, maybe you heard that scripture that says, give and it will come back to you. Maybe you heard that song, give and it will come back to you. Yes, Steve, you got it. Okay. <laughs> Press down, shaking together, and running over. Man, you guys need to get with it. That stuff was like from the mid-90s. You need to listen to some Ron Canoli or something. You've never heard of Ron Canoli. Your loss. Anyway, I grew up in a church where there was a lady that played the spoons on stage. We're bringing it back. Jared, we're bringing the spoons back next Sunday. I want to see a spoon player on stage, right? Click, 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 click. Anyway. And sometimes we go way off track. Yes, we do. Somebody just said this. Yes, we do. Um, again, Jesus says this. Like, I would just like to say, there's a lot of scriptures in the Bible, and there's a lot of things that you will live by, that you will choose to apply to your life, that, that were recorded by a person. The Lord put it into their heart and recorded it, and it's the word of God, and it's important. But then there's some things that Jesus himself said, and he talked about money a whole lot, like, like a whole lot, okay? So... Luke 6.38, Jesus himself says, give, and it will be given to you. And again, we see this, this, then it turns the corner. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I'd like to give you some context. Jesus, who's he talking to here? Back then, people, uh, the, the people he was talking to, historically, were farmers. They were specifically grain farmers. Now, when they would have a harvest and they'd harvest the grain, um, it would go into these big containers, and they didn't want to have a lot, of, a lot of containers. They wanted to have as few as possible, right? And so what would they do to try to fill those containers as tightly as they could? They would put all the grain into them, and then they would press down on them, right? They would press down. And then after they had pressed it once, they would shake it so that all the grains would line up in there and they'd, they'd fill all the little cracks and crevices and then they would press down on it again and then they would shake it a little bit and they would work it until they could fit as much as possible into those things. And so what Jesus is saying to people who understand what he's talking about right there in front of him, farmers, he's saying, hey, guys, listen, God, when, when you give, God's not just going to give back to you and like, you know, fill, fill your vat and walk away. No, what he's going to do is he's going to fill it as full as he can, and then he's going to shake it, and he's going to press it down, and he's going to pack it as tight as he can, and then he's going to do it again. He's going to do it, and then when it gets to the top, he's just going to open up the grain chute and just let it all over the place. Like he's talking in context to those people, but he's talking to you. When you choose to give, God... 
God's going to bring it back to you, and he's going to turn it around. What I don't understand is that every time you read in the Bible about giving, the very next verses say, and it will be given to back to you in abundance. Every time. And I, it's just crazy to me that people don't give more. Because it's literally, it says it in the Bible. Now, I don't think we should be giving to get. It, to get. I don't think this is God's income plan for us, right? I don't think he's like, oh, give, and you get a percentage more back. Like, 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 no, I don't think that's what he's saying. But I think what God is saying is that when you are obedient financially or, or with your possessions, when you're, when you're obedient with those things, you will not go without. You won't. He's going to take care of you in every situation all the time. And, and I'm going to be honest, is uh, of all the naysayers out there, the people who say, oh, the church just wants our money, all that stuff, very few of them have actually tried giving. You know, all those people who give, you know, Aaron Rodgers or, or Matthew Stafford a hard time from their lazy boy in their living room have no idea what those people are dealing with on a regular basis. You can't come in here and not be a giver and say giving doesn't work if you don't give. You are ill-equipped and ill-advised. And, and this is the thing. Like, the Bible literally says that you should test God with your giving. Now, I'd like to point out that anywhere else in the Bible where people tested God or when it talks about testing God, God killed them. He killed them. They are no longer with us. Okay. Like, the Bible's like, do not tempt the Lord, do not test the Lord, do not, do, don't try me, like it doesn't happen, or you will die. A horrible, horrible, horrible death. And then we get to later in the Bible, and God says, test me. There's only one place. It has to do with money. Why do you think that? It's because God knows that you are in love with money. God knows that the whole world's in love with money. He knows it. It's our most prized possession, it's the thing that makes the world go around. He knows that we think we absolutely have to have as much money as we can get at any given time. And so God goes, okay, listen, on all that other stuff, test me and die, right? But when it comes to this, I need to throw this down and say, hey, go ahead and test me. And when I prove myself to you, we won't have to deal with this do you love God or money thing anymore. And the people in this place who say amen are the people who tried it. It's always the people who've tried it that have said, we've never gone without. God has always provided. He's always made it happen. So I want to get down to real life real quick. I'm, gonna, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it. So get your shields out, all right? Or, or your, your baseball gloves. You can catch this one, all right? So there are a lot of you who would happily give to charities and do to organizations like universities, organizations like United Way or Red Cross or all of those things. Those are all good things. Nothing wrong with any of those, those things. Give your money to those things. Um, those are all great. But when the church talks about giving, you get upset. They just want my money. Listen, you will pay $200 a ticket to go to a United Way banquet. You will go to the silent auction and spend thousands of dollars on things you don't really want. You'll listen to speakers you don't really want to listen to who are an incredibly boring group of people. No offense to if you're a United Way speaker, I guess. See ya. Uh, but you will drop tens of thousands of dollars. Many of you will and have. And yet you'll come to church where the coffee is free. 
You've been coming for a long time. You apparently like the speaker. But I say one thing about money. You go, I'm never going back to that church. They just want my money. In what world does that make sense? In what world does it make sense to give money to an organization that helps people, but to say no to an organization that helps people with the power of God? Why would we want to, I mean, nothing against those things. Keep giving to those. But every time you give to those kind, of, uh, those kind of organizations, which are great, and they do great things, don't ever get me wrong up here, I would like you to also in your mind go, am I giving to God in the same way that I'm giving to the world? And if the answer is no, I think we need to go back to the word. Okay? I think we need to look at what the word says about it. I think we need to really look at whether or not we're honoring God and obeying God with what we have. God is really clear about giving to the church. And, and, and for that matter, I'm going to say, even organizations that, that aren't the church, there's a lot of great organizations that reach the world, that reach the world, and they're backed with the power of God that are totally worth giving to. There are organizations in our city that are not a church organization, but they're a Christian organization that absolutely are worthy of, of you giving towards them because they're backed with the power of God. Okay. So it's not just the church. But God's really clear about giving to the church. He's very specific. So Malachi 3.10 says this. You've heard this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then he says, test me in this, says the Lord what? Almighty. Almighty. Test, test me in this, he says. Test me in anything else, I'll kill you. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And then like every other time it talks about giving, says this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Now, I don't know. Have you ever watched America's Funniest Home Videos when, uh, when people go to like do a belly flop into the above ground pool and they catch the edge and it rips the edge out? Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Is that not funny? Yeah. Pe- like the wa- the, I've always thought like, man, it looks, I mean, obviously it takes a lot to fill those pools up, but when they break the side out of it, the tidal wave that comes out of the side of that pool will like take everybody in the pool like a hundred yards down the road. And that's a kiddie pool. We're talking about God opening the floodgates of where? Of where? Of heaven. The floodgates of heaven, by the way, which is bigger than any place you've ever been in your life. He will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much. How much? How much? So much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And then he doesn't stop there. He's like, listen, I'm going to overflow for you, but I'm going a step further. He said, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord who? Hmm. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord who? I think it's interesting that it says almighty three times. That might be because they're trying to tell you that the Lord is almighty. That he is more powerful than you are. That he has the ability to do these things. Now, you might not have vines, that you want pests to stay away from. You might not have fields that you want vermin to stay away from. But you do have families. You do have possessions. You do have a home or an apartment or a car. You have things. 
And I don't know about you, but I would like all the nations around me to look at me and say, he's got a pretty delightful situation going on. Because that's what it says is going to happen. See, the promise linked to tithing or to giving is, is a blessing in your life. I don't have time to go into studying what the tithe is all about and all of that, but uh, just in a nutshell, when you come down to the tithe, it's really talking about giving one-tenth of what comes into your life and in increase to the Lord. One-tenth. And so I've heard it said before that God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%. I think that's pretty true. Um, and so, so this is what happens. So you give 10% and you go through the week and somehow you still have money in your bank account or you've paid all your bills. Normally, you, 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 know, you run out by the end of your pay period. And, uh, and what you do is go, man, I really budgeted well this week. I even gave to the church this week and I budgeted well. No, you didn't. You got the same number of Big B coffees at $5 a piece this week. You went to Taco Bell four times. Let's be honest. You, you did everything. Every service when I said the Taco Bell thing, people elbowed their person next to them. You didn't budget better. You honored God first. You did the same things you've always been doing. But God blessed you. He provided for you. And, and so often, God does things and fulfills his promises in our lives right in front of our faces, and we give credit to other, other things. When the, in reality... It's God that's changing our life. God is changing your life. Acknowledge that he's doing it. Acknowledge the fact that he's the one that's in control. When you obey God, and when you do what God tells you to do, and things happen in your life that don't normally happen, maybe you should look up and go, I hear you. I hear you. I, I see how you did that. Two years ago, we did a series here at the church. I'll wrap up with this. About giving, about money. It's called The Blessed Life. We're going to do it again, by the way. It was six weeks. It was video. I didn't uh, speak. I sat in the front row and drank coffee. Lots of coffee. Sat through all the services every week <laughs> and watched the same video. Anyway, uh, at, after six weeks of him talking about money and talking about what the Bible says about money, um, we got to the end, and I got up here, and I said, we're going to do a giving challenge. You've heard me talk about the giving challenge probably recently. Is, is, we said this. We said, if you, if you will just um, give, test God in this, test God. If you'll give for three months, give 10% of your income, of your increase, that's what the Bible says, of what comes in, um, keep track of your money. So basically what you need to do is fill out, if you're giving cash, put it in one of the envelopes, write your name on it. We'll keep track of it for you. You don't even have to do that part. If after three months, God has not blessed your life and you don't feel like God has transformed your life with blessing, I will give you all the money back. I don't, our church is not in a bad, bad financial situation. I can turn around and give your money back to you. And so I would challenge you to try it. Test God. Don't take my word for it. This is not the word of, God, or word of Ross. This is the word of God. Okay? This, is not, this is nothing to do with me. This has to do with you and God. And if today you're like, oh, this money message is making me mad. Well, again, don't be mad at me. Take it up with the Lord. Read the scripture. Let me, let me say this. I didn't say this in first service. I wrote it down, but I skipped it. <laughs> I'm going to go back to it. 
why is it that we as believers will get on huge bandwagons about what the Bible says about hot topics like abortion or homosexuality or suicide or all these different things, drugs, alcohol, uh, all, all of this stuff. We'll get on huge bandwagons about it, but we ourselves will not apply the principles that God teaches about giving. Let, let me just tell you this. We don't get on bandwagons here on the church, at this church. We love people in spite of their situation, no matter what's going on. We love people and we want them to know Jesus. But if you're a bandwagon type, if you don't give, get off the bandwagon because you yourself are not worthy to ride it. I wasn't going to say that, but I'd like it anyway. I don't want to be hard on you. I don't want to put this, I don't want to put undue pressure on you and neither does God, but the pressure can be off if we would obey God because he will never let your well run dry and he will fill your cup to overflowing if you will just open the floodgates of heaven bigger than the kiddie pool for you. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for everybody here. And I thank you that they're currently applying rules one and two to the situation that they're realizing that this isn't about what I say, that it's about what your word says. And for some of us in this place that are feeling that poking in our heart, that, that little thing inside of us that doesn't feel real great, I pray that we're evaluating right now whether or not we've been obedient to you, whether we've been willing to test it out with you. And God, I pray that today for some of us we'll be motivated to try. Motivated to say, God, okay, I'll give you a shot. Prove it. And God, I'm thankful that in my life and in so many people's lives and around the world that your promises are true and you fulfill them. And that it'll happen in these people's lives as well. God, I thank you that we have a group of people here who want to grow and they want to get closer with you. And they're willing to talk about the tough subjects, willing to sit back and go, okay, this is what God's words say. Now, what do I need to say? What do I need to do? So God, just continue to lead us to the life that you have for us. Continue to, to motivate us. Continue to be the driving force for each one of our lives. With everybody's eyes closed, if you're here today, I never, I never want to miss an opportunity to invite people to become part of the family of God. What does that mean? Well, if you're here and your life feels like it's been a mess or you feel like you have no purpose, maybe you feel like your life has just been going in circles, not in any specific direction, and you need direction, and you want to have purpose in your life, I want to tell you what you really need is you need Jesus. The Bible's real clear about how God created you with a specific destiny, but you can't get there if you don't have Jesus in your life. You need him. And, and so you can begin walking that life out right now. Yes, if you make Jesus Lord of your life, you get to go to heaven. But it's not just about going to heaven. It's about today living a life that matters, a life that you were created for from the beginning. So if that's you and you're thinking about it, I know you're probably also thinking, man, I got so many things in my life I've done wrong. Maybe I even did things wrong last night. Or maybe I went past midnight doing things that were wrong. I did things wrong today. How could God ever accept me? I want you to know God is not repelled by you. He's attracted to those situations. Jesus is the Savior. And if you've got those things in your life, he wants to save you from those things. So if that's you and you know you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, you know you want to start this life with him right now with everybody's eyes closed, if that's you, just right where you're at, will you lift your hand up? Is there anybody that knows they want to make that decision today? 
All right, I see those hands. I see your hands. All right, would you look up here at me if that was you? Okay, I want to ask you to do something bold, and I'm going to do it with you. I'd like to ask you to, right from your seat, if you would come up and meet me right up here in the front corner. All right, come on and meet me up here. I want to pray with you. And I know some of you are rededicating your lives. I know that some of you are, are, are new to this, and that's okay. So this is wherever everybody's at, okay, you can come up here and you can face me. We're just going to pray together as a church. And, uh, and so let's, let's gather up here together. And I invited some of the pastors that are up here to pray with us. So, okay, I guess I'll come over here. So the Bible's really clear about what this process is all about. It's all about um, you saying yes to Jesus. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to allow you to lead my life and change my life. And so we're going to say a prayer together. Everybody's going to say it with us, um, where we invite Jesus to be Lord of our lives. And, but it, the next part is up to you. You take the steps to say, uh, tomorrow, today, this afternoon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, in my mind, go, okay, would God want me to do that or not? And then you take the step towards where God would want you, not where you might want you. And you watch as God transforms things and changes your situation, okay? So let's bow our heads. Everybody's going to pray with us together. So let's pray, Father, thank you. Or let's say this when they say, Lord. I was going on. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. To die on the cross. Defeat the grave. And arise again. So that I could be saved. I was a sinner. And I needed forgiveness. Thank you for giving it to me. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. I choose to live for you from this day on. Lead me and guide me into the life you created for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.